You're listening to the Sales Process Excellence Podcast with Michael Webb. B2B sales and marketing works to find the highest quality prospects, reach decision makers, and sell value. Operational excellence uses data and systems thinking to make changes that cause improvement and eliminate waste. My name is Michael Webb, and this is the Sales Process Excellence Podcast. In the next 30 to 40 minutes, we're going to destroy the myth that these two groups conflict and show you how to bring both strategies together to create more wealth for your company and your customers. Michael Webb here, and I am excited today to bring two very interesting people to your attention. We have Adrian and Tiffany Figueroa, and Tiffany has founded a firm called Improv It Up that is devoted to using the skills of improvisation to help B2B salespeople improve their performance. So, Adrian and Tiffany, welcome here. Hi. Hi, Thank Michael. you so much, Michael, for having us. Well, you're quite welcome. I think this is going to be really interesting since improv is something that always fascinates people and how it's connected mm-hmm. to B2B sales. Could each of you take like 30 seconds and help the audience understand just a little bit about your background? And in your case, especially, Tiffany, go on and say, how did you get started in doing this? My background is as an actress. I spent my whole life as an actress in the theater in San Francisco, in New York and L.A. And I started teaching an acting class out in West Hollywood. And I was working with actors mainly because improvisation is vital if you want to audition. It's really important that you're able to be able to think on your feet and just pick up things quickly. But what started to happen was I was getting non-actors coming into my workshop. So I started to get engineers, scientists, business owners, priests. I'm being honest when I say that. <laughs> you can imagine, that, you know, all of the, the, the jobs. I've, they've probably come through our workshop. And what was happening was all of these students that were coming through my class were saying that improv is really changing their lives. And just to kind of backtrack just a bit, I went to the Second City, which is a huge improv school based in Chicago, but I went to the LA location. And improv really changed my life. I, I went through a really tragic family situation and improv really became my therapy. And it was at that point that I really realized that the therapeutic elements that were happening in improv, that I could help others. And so what started to happen was that was translating into people's lives and obviously really translating into the workplace. No matter what job they had, it was helping them to be more confident. It was helping them with so many other skills that I realized that this was something not only for actors, but really for anyone that these skills could be used. So um, so really, Improv It Up was, was born in West Hollywood um, mm. through my experience of working with non-actors. And then really, we just grew the business over the, the past several years. We also work with middle and high school students. We have programs. We're a social enterprise. And what that means is, I like to think of it as a for-profit business with heart. So the heart part of what we do is our school programs. And then we have our corporate and business programs as well. Mm. Okay. Wow. What a fascinating background. So uh, real quickly, Adrian, you, uh, your your background is quite different, right? Oh, yeah. Significantly. Not like uh, Tiffany's story is much more exciting than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So for me, you know, it's, it's going the path of the engineer. So my background, engineering, mechanical engineering, uh, then the MBA, but working in the industry, being part of building products and aerospace as being my strengths of industries. And then um, through there, just getting certifications with Lean, Six Sigma, supply chain. Okay. And yeah. so just growing the, the process side of it. So, you know, as Tiffany and I, um, you know, met each other and she had this business going and I, I started sitting in on all the workshops years ago and then became a facilitator alongside with her. It was marrying both of our loves and passions where, you know, we like to say it as I'm the left brain, right? I'm more methodical, analytical, probably tailor more towards like the hard skills. And then Tiffany comes in as the right brain, being more the creative, artistic, and the soft skills. So what we offer, you know, businesses is, you know, you get the best of both worlds. Hard, soft skills, left brain, right brain. Wow. You know, kind of, we kind of complete. We're very opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some people who listen to my uh, podcast regularly may remember uh, Adrian. We uh, we did an interview a month or two ago, I think, and and Mm -hmm. your day job is a lean facilitator at Cadence Aerospace, uh, as I am. Right. So, so you've been able, it sounds like, to use some of these improv skills in your leadership at the aerospace company is that true yes every day so That's where i'm most, okay. most yeah where i'm most effective is being able to use the soft skill side to actually commit to and bring forward the hard skills profits and results okay all right so tiffany um what why did these men and women off the street who are not theater majors, <laughs> why, why did they want to attend your improv class? And what did, what did you give them that, that, that made it so valuable? Well, I think, so a lot of the, you know, non-actors, salespeople, entrepreneurs um, that have come to our class really have come because there's a lot of fears. So um, you might have the fear of public speaking. That We have a lot of students that come to us, believe it or not, that even work in sales and they have fears of, of public speaking. Or um, fear of failure is a huge one. We actually, Adrian and I facilitated a workshop called Fail into Success. And it was really all based in trying to get comfortable and the uncomfortable. Um, and so that's something that we see a lot. Um, and so I would say those two things and, and building confidence really is the confidence to be you. I can't tell you, it sounds so simple, but when someone can have such ownership of who they are and really be their authentic self, um, I just believe that that helps to draw authentic connections with other people. And I, I think that's just such an important piece of you know, being a salesperson is coming across as authentic and genuinely connecting with people. So I would say those were probably some of the top things that a lot of people have come through our classes for. And how improv works is just so your listeners can kind of understand is a lot of people who have maybe never seen an improv show might just think it's you just make up whatever you want, that there's no structure. But believe it or not, if you watch shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway, have you seen that show, Michael? 
Um, yes, I have, I have, and it makes me laugh because those guys are okay. great. <laughs> okay. Well, they're great. Well, they're wonderful improvisers. Actually, a lot of them went to the Second City, the school that I went to. Um, but they're great because there's a structure behind what they're doing, and there's rules and principles. And those rules and principles are really what guides all of the work that we do. And so, for example, one of the rules of improv, the cardinal rule that you might hear and that a lot of other corporations and business professionals might use is the rule of yes and. And what that rule says is that you work in agreement with others and that you're not negating what other people are saying. And so how it work in an improv setting is if Adrian and I were doing an improvised scene and he says uh, he makes me the queen of England. Well, I'm not going to go to him and say, no, Adrian, I'm not the Queen of England. I am the Queen of Wichita, whatever that might be. I would say, yes, I, you know, I am. And I would go with that because in an improv scene, we're going to find that we're going to have a lot more opportunity to grow that scene. Well, the same thing could be said for uh, a workplace. So, for example, what we hear a lot of times is you're in a, in a, in a meeting and people are pitching different ideas and somebody starts out with an idea. And another person says, no, 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 I don't think that idea is good enough. So that shuts that person down. And possibly that person might not share their ideas again. But what happens is you think, you, as you see, is that thought then dies. But improv allows that thought, the rule of yes and allows that rule to be built upon. So when you're building upon ideas and you're yes anding, not only are you creating an inclusive environment where people feel comfortable sharing their ideas, but you're also building upon an idea to make it something far greater than what it could be. Okay. Uh, so, yes, and how do you come <laughs> up with comes after the end? I mean, you still are going to have people with drawing a blank. This is true. And that's actually, we have a lot of people come to us and they say, I don't know what to say. And this is really where it comes to working with being yourself. And so in the improv world, we always like to say, your scene or your dialogue is in the other person's eyes. So when we're making those authentic connections, we'll always have something to say. When we're honoring our truth, whatever that may be, we'll always have something to say. And so the and part could be really anything. It's just that we're building upon an idea in a positive way and not really, we're not negating what somebody else has said. And Michael, just for an example, one of the workshops we did um, a few months ago, we actually had this particular salesman and he said exactly what you just asked right now <laughs> on day one. His fear was, you know, he's a salesman, but he is fearful of speaking to somebody and not knowing what to say. Mm -hmm. He thinks he has to like, oh, you know, watch all the sports, watch, you know, all the market, watch like to come up with ideas and figure out what he can possibly speak to them about. And so exactly what you said on day one of the workshop, we were going through one of our exercises and it got to him and he blinked out tear in the headlights exactly what mm -hmm. like what you said mm -hmm. and we just waited there and paused for a moment and then we just guide him through it because he, he literally said out there he's like uh i i don't know what to say and okay first thing what are you thinking about um i i don't i don't know what to say and he just kept repeating it and so it's like you know it's okay first thought he finally gave a first thought the class celebrated, yeah, and then move on. We keep going with the exercise. So by, uh, I think it was the third workshop with the same salesman, he actually 
that's where we saw a breakthrough where mm-hmm. he started making these comments that was just, whoa, where did this come from? Where, I mean, he didn't hesitate anymore. He just allowed himself his first thoughts to come to mind and come out. And that was like a major breakthrough that we saw with him. We celebrated and throughout the rest of the workshop, I mean, you could just see the growth in him being really more comfortable with himself. And by, again, the end, he he was just coming up and thanking us for the work he has done uh, there in the workshop and, you know, the tools we provided for him. And he was real appreciative of everything he learned because he felt more confident in that. And really what he was doing was he was he was working through a lot of his fears. Okay. Well, and so to that point, it it strikes me that the skill you're referring to here doesn't just apply to sales. It applies way more broadly uh, to sort of social intelligence and self-awareness more more generally, wouldn't it? It does, really. And that's where I said, you know, the the people that started coming to my classes, um, you know, 10 plus years ago back in Hollywood, they were of all different walks of life. And when you start to work on, you know, one facet of who you are, it, it not only affects, it can't just affect one portion of your life. So it's going to benefit your work life. It's obviously going to benefit your personal life. Like, for example, Adrian and I really try to implement the rule of YSN in our marriage, not only in our in the work that we do individually, in our own careers, but even in our marriage. And and really, like I said, it just helps you build upon and not negate um, what somebody else has said. There's other rules of improv, Michael. I just I didn't get to them. I don't know if you wanted me to mention some of the other rules. Well, I I do, but let's hang on a minute on this yes okay. and because we haven't mined that one all the way through. I don't think. Okay. <laughs> um, it could take us years. I tell so you. As you're as you're describing this, I'm um, thinking about. Um, you know, the the environment that a lot of us grow up in as kids, and mm-hmm. it's not always a healthy environment. It depends on the kind of family that you have, right? But if you mm-hmm. grow up in a family like I grew up in, where there was a lot of negativity and a lot of shut up, you know, and as mm-hmm. a kid, you kind of can close down and actually become not even aware of how you feel, much less the people around you feel. Right. And this yes and idea it sounds like it's sort of changing uh, the way you're trying to change the way your own mind habitually works by dipping in a little bit more to what you might be feeling and therefore what other people around you might be feeling. And that's the only way you can get the material to have a response, isn't it? That's so true. And I think you touched on something that's really important is that you are essentially rewiring your brain using improv through experiential learning, using your whole body. You are able to rewire the way that the way the way that you think. And I think that's why, you know, Adrian and I have our really different backgrounds. And so, you know, he comes from, you know, all of his skills as an engineer and his left brain. And then, you know, a lot of the work that we do tends to lend towards a lot of the therapeutic side. I have some background in um, um, and certified in being able to use the arts of therapy, which is I'm not a therapist and we don't process or, um, you know, not going to do therapy with anyone, but we find that there's a lot of therapeutic benefits to what we do. And so, for example, when we're working with middle and high school students, you're right. If they come from environments where they're used to being told no and living in that negativity, 
it is really, it can be really challenging for them to be in a positive environment. But again, with just the consistency of learning the language of improv and through the games and exercises that we do, it's possible to rewire your brain so that you can develop a different language. Well, and I, I, the next thing that came to my mind after the sort of childhood memories and, and, and I, I think we all have to go through a period where we become more and more conscious of our, of ourselves and how we're thinking and how we're feeling. And if you pursue that, uh, you become a much more, um, mature sort of person. You can have much better executive functions because you can manage yourself mm -hmm. better. Well, that also leads to the ability to manage other people. Really, really good yeah. leaders have very high social acumen and they can they can readily influence all the people from all the different backgrounds with all the conflicting interests inside of an organization. And they're really good at working through all that. It would, it, they would have to have the kind of mind that readily does that because they get stuff thrown at them all the time. Um, so it's leadership skills, and obviously then that moves towards, uh, or it implies uh, really good sales skills. So that's really mm -hmm. fascinating. Um, let's move on. What are the other, some of the other rules, and what are they, how do they help people? Well, one of the other rules is to, is to listen. So obviously you need to be listening with your whole body. So I always say, I'm not trying to be a good listener, I'm trying to be an impeccable listener. And what that means to me is, I'm not just listening with my ears, but I'm also paying attention to body language. I facilitated, a, I actually did a, a, a workshop, and I had, gosh, maybe up to 100 people in my workshop. And it was all professionals. So either they were entrepreneurs or they're um, business professionals. And I did this whole segment on body language and how important it is that when we are talking to somebody, either in networking situations or in sales situations, that we're not only listening to their words, but we're paying attention to what their their physical body is saying to us. And a lot of times we, we don't pay attention to that. And so that would be one of our other, um, one of our, one of the other rules of improv. Another rule of improv is making your partner look good. And that's something that I love because it really shows how selfless improv is. And it's really about building the other person up and not focusing on yourself. And so that kind of takes you out of um, any situation and puts the focus on the other person. So for example, how that would work is if you're in an improv scene, you'll see this a lot on whose line is it anyway, by one of the improvisers will, it's called endow or label, the other person with something really grand, like being a queen or something really high status. And we'll often laugh and we'll just get a kick out of that. And then that person, the scene becomes about the other person. Um, and so that's, that's really an important rule of improv is to make your partner look good. And okay. well, so, so explain this a little more. So uh, if I say you are the queen of England, um, that would be me sort of making you look good, right? Yeah, it would be endowing me with with something really fun and positive that I could play with. And then As you go, yes, to... and I love being fat or whatever, right? <laughs> whatever the yes, Queen of England is, right? <laughs> uh, 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 but how then like would that. you how would you turn that around and then make the person who just gave you that line look good? 
Is that what your the goal is here with each interaction? Sure, sure. And so when you're working with a really experienced improviser, you'll find that they're really able to coach uh, another improviser that maybe doesn't have as much experience. And by making them look good, it just means that I'm not going to let you fail. If you're working with me, I'm not going to let you fail. And I think that's something that's really important because, as I mentioned before, we find that just a high percentage of people that come to our workshops have this great fear of failure. And so the rule of making your partner look good says, I'm not going to let you fail. I'm going to have your back. I'm going to support you. And I'm not only am I going to support you, but I'm going to make you look really good. Well, you're both up there on, in an improv situation. You're both up there for sort of a common purpose, right, mm -hmm. uh, to create entertainment. And you have to entertain yourself, right? If you're in entertaining yourself and enjoying it, it's going to be more infectious for the audience. And if that other person fails, that, that affects you, too. So, I mean, you're not up there being altruistic, but you're up there. It sounds like you're up there. Um, you know, accenting the good things and building on uh, the good. It's sort of a uh, in in um, the lean philosophy. One of the bedrock principles is respect for people, and that means respect for their ability to think and be rational. And they may have different backgrounds. They may be more obstinate. They may be, you know, not really understand the point that they really need to understand and in a healthy clean culture i'm sure adrian you you've seen this you have to respect people if you expect them to grow is that fair yes so yeah, i mean this is it builds on the same thing doesn't it right yeah it's exactly that so most examples you have when you know you're working in the private sector or just anywhere in the corporate business world you have more so what i see leaders that you know, they just expect the job to be done from their employees. Yeah. And it's very rare that I'm finding those that are, are doing exactly what Tiffany had said, where they said, I'm not going to let you fail. We're going to do this together. And so with the leaders are normally, well, this employee is terrible. That employee, you know, yeah. is an idiot. This employee can't do this. This employee can't do that. And you have that. And that's the way they look at it, like we just need to get somebody else or we just need to move whatever they're not good at and give it to somebody else. And so, I mean, that's part of my role. You know, I, I look at that behavior and I go and coach those leaders along the way. And so that's not what we're here to do. Think of it about it this way. Maybe, you know, we have to work with this individual in this certain manner. And back to what you said, you know, lead with respect. And so, and what we get is if, you know, we had a, a CEO come to us last year in a workshop where, you know, she's what she thought was a good leader. She, you know, she has all her employees um, there in the business and she comes up and she said, you know, like, I think my employees or I thought my employees really liked me, but, you know, our business is thriving very well. And all of a sudden I just started getting feedback that, no, they, you know, a lot of the employees actually didn't really like her because she was, can come across very cold, you know, very stone faced. And she was like, what I'm missing is empathy. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys offer that, like, what can you do to help me in training to understand what this empathy is? And so I can, uh, I can utilize that within my business and kind of get the, the other piece that I'm missing as a leader. And, and so how did improv help? 
Well, with so when you're doing an improv scene, like I mentioned with making your partner look good. Yeah. One of the things is you're you're listening to what the other person is saying and you're able to reflect that back to them. So somebody somebody that doesn't have skills of empathy is really not able to voice and reflect back what was just heard. But empathy says that I can hear what you've just said and I can kindly or warmly reflect that back to you. And yeah, I can feel it, it. In a positive way. Yeah, yeah, I can feel it and I can respect it and I can say, oh, I, I, I'm not, in other words, I'm not criticizing how you feel. I'm um, identifying it. Yeah, and, and really empathy says you're not alone. I, it says that I can feel with you. And that's really kind of like the definition of improv is I'm feeling with you. And that's what we found, you know, a lot of executives in high positions are really lacking those skills of empathy. And like the, C, the CEO that came to us, um, you know, she's a very prominent in in the business world and she's a best-selling author and she's an amazing woman, but that was one of the skills that she wanted to work on. And through one of our workshops and through some of the games and listening and really being able to take in and really digest what was just being said to her and then reflect that back to somebody, she really learned those skills and she started to implement them. And she came in, I remember, to our last workshop. It was a six-week workshop. And she said, you know, people are noticing a difference. And I'm I'm making change. I'm really implementing what I'm learning in here. And my employees are noticing a difference. Thank you. Hmm. Wow. That's awesome. That's that's a, a great uh testimonial. Um these are interesting these are interesting stories. So we got yes and and listen with your whole body, make your partner look good. What else? Um and so then another rule that we'd have is to tell a story and this is something that's actually really great for salespeople. Um so in improv we tell a story beginning, middle and end. And so that helps you know, storytelling is something that's been used, obviously, for ages. There's so many different um, components of storytelling and what makes it so powerful. Um, and we like to think that improvisers are really great storytellers because they can pretty concisely tell, tell a story from beginning, middle to end, and sometimes within about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And there's games and exercises that we use um, that help to implement those those storytelling skills. So that would be another role. Kind of, you know, there's other rules in improv that we use. For example, if I were working with actors, but these, the, the rules that I mentioned to you are pretty much the, the cardinal rules. Although I'll, I'll add one more, and that is um, to try to be truthful and not funny. Try so, to Michael, be truthful makes, and not funny. Correct. So let me ask you a question. What makes something funny to you? Uh, it is something unexpected, uh, um, a surprise, um, and and in particular that, um, um, I mean, you could have a surprise and it makes you scared to death. Yeah. And so there's something about being funny that is, is a surprise and it's, I don't know exactly what it is. It's a, it's a, it's unexpected. It's a surprise mm-hmm. and it's funny. I don't know. <laughs> what? Tell me. Yeah, what I mean, it? and those, yes, and those are all truth. And what if I told you that really what makes something funny is truth? We laugh because we're a part of something. We laugh because it's truthful. So, for example, where we live, the 405 freeway or the 91 is just madness. 
So if I were to, you know, say anything about any of those three ways in front of an audience of people that live in LA, they're probably going to laugh because they get it. They're in on the joke. But if I'm out and let's, let's use Wichita. Adrian was re- recently in Wichita and I just, I love saying Wichita. I don't know what it is about Wichita, <laughs> but I just love saying it. So let's say that we're in Wichita and I, and I made a statement about something about the 405, you know, you're going to have people saying, huh, what? They're not going to be in on it. It's not going to feel truthful for them. And so they're, they're probably not going to laugh. Okay. So you have to know your audience in order to know what's funny. The context is crucial. It's true. This this is true. And and really, that depends on, you know, if you're doing an improv show, yes, we'd want to know your audience. But there's a lot of universal truths for all people, right? For the majority yeah. of people are all on social media. So there's kind of a lot of truths that come with being on social media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like that could be funny. So, but what makes someone funny is someone who is honoring their own truth. And that can only be true for them. So one thing for myself that that I've learned is I'm a very quirky kind of um, person. I'm very spontaneous. I'm very kind of fly by the seat of my pants person. And I... Oh, you're also the queen really, of England, right? I'm also the queen. Let's not forget <laughs> that. I'm, Adrian's going to buy me my crown later. But... Um, <laughs> So I try to honor, and you're laughing with me right now, which is exciting for me. I I love that. I thrive off of it. Um, But so, but what makes it really interesting is that I'm honoring who I am, and when we honor who we are, even it doesn't matter what you know personality traits you you have. But that's where connection comes from. And there's so many, there's so much importance in in connection and being able to connect with people. Um, it's, you know, social media is built on people don't feel connected, so they go to be online. But what if we could create true and authentic connections in our own lives? What if salespeople could create true and authentic connections just from a quick conversation? And really, what if it started by them just being themselves and kind of setting the ground for that, for that space of comfort? Because when we're our authentic selves, we invite others to join in and for them to be themselves. Mm. Wow. That's interesting. I'm I'm uh um you you brought to mind an important uh idea here and and I wanted to there was a something that was said um I'm trying to remember the author's um name uh Russell Ackoff, systems thinker. And I I have to paraphrase here cuz I can't find that file, but he said that we we most of the time when we're trying to improve things that we make the mistake, we improve the wrong thing because mm. we don't understand the system that we're in. Right. And, and in, in a human system, the issues could be, um, I kind of guess, as we've pointed out, it could be in your own mind because mm-hmm. um, you're unaware or um, you have a block um and so it's hard for you to get a connection with the other people around you. And this improv um, could help with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see readily how it could help salespeople to be uh, better communicators. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there's lots of poor salespeople who are thrown out there to make a million cold calls as fast as they can, because that's the only mm-hmm. way they can find somebody that might be ready to buy something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Unfortunately, there are people who think that the solution to everything is 
you know, it's all about the salesperson. Um, but that's not always true. Um, mm-hmm. One of the reasons why there's such high turnover in sales organizations, because nobody is paving the ground to make sales easier for people, you know. Um, so uh, have you seen places where improv won't help um, an executive or a salesperson? I haven't. I have not honestly come across a person who's not benefited in some facet from the rules of improv, the work we do, and growing. I think there's always opportunity to grow. I think there's always something that we can work on. And so with that being said, I, I just haven't seen it yet. I don't know. What, what's your observation about that, Adrian? I feel the same way. I mean, you just look at, you can go to all the top CEOs in the world and yeah, they're making a lot of money, but are they really successful? Right. And like, what is going behind the scenes that nobody else knows about where they probably wish they could speak up and become their authentic selves and say, Hey, I really need help with this. Really need help with that. This is going on in my social life, or this is going on behind the scenes that nobody goes, but you know, they're just, going with the flow of fear of what others think and how the world views them. And yeah, they might have out their tie-ins where, you know, they want more money or they want more of this or that. So when it comes to, if they're allowed to be their authentic selves and come forward, then they'll continue to grow. As Tiffany was saying, like, Hey, I need help in these facets. Ah. You know, what can improv do? And it would make them a stronger leader, a better That's person really interesting. that can grow connections. Yeah, that's that's uh, interesting and um, uh, kind of uh, fascinating. You're answering the question in a different way um, than I expected. It's it's um, it this respect for people idea is huge in organizations, and it's I have to say that the the number one issue that I have I have people who find my books and my, my articles on my website and most of them are people who are in an organization. A lot of them are salespeople or sales managers or even VPs of sales. And they're in an organization where the management culture does not respect in this way, right? Mm-hmm. And they would love to try to do some of these the things that, that we bring to them, you know, defining the problem and and um, using observable characteristics to prioritize opportunities and and reducing waste and improving the quality and the value that's created within the sales and marketing function, but they can't because they're trapped mm-hmm. in this organization that does not respect people, and they wish they wish that there was some way that they could get their leaders and managers uh, to get it. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, that's like ten to one. Uh, between the, of the people who who I come in contact with and, and subscribe to my materials and things, compared to the one who's actually, you know, if you are on top of one of those organizations and you're trying to improve the culture, you've got huge challenges too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I can see it definitely in in the case of that second executive helping them become more self-aware and more facile with their emotions and picking up on those of other people and being unafraid to be transparent 
and, and and deal with the environment and the real issues. I can see where that would have huge um, a huge impact. And and I think you're right. Even at a low level, if you're an entry level salesperson and you have the ability to do this, you're going to have a better impact and earn more respect of the people around you, including your customers. If you can, mm-hmm. it's just that the the impact is uh, a little more limited. Yeah, and normally what I tell executives at that level is they just have to do it, or just where at whatever level you're at, you just have to do it. Whatever you like wholeheartedly believe in, you just have to start somewhere and start implementing it because others will follow, and you'll be much stronger, like within the position that you are, because you'll have a lot of followers that will help you. Well, and, and I know that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say and that I'm not going to go into the story because it was on a previous podcast, but you know that that was my story of how yeah how I was able to help and then thrive and make all the you know hard improvements is just because I decided to do it and this is what I was going to do within the lines of what the business you know needed, but I was going to do it, spin it in this way, improve it, and then the company succeeded, but they didn't understand how it really did. <laughs> you know what was the driving tool. Right. Well, and you all are bringing home a real crucial point, I think. In the operational excellence industry, lean or Six Sigma or or just about any of the flavors of operational excellence, um, mm-hmm. most of the companies that attempt to go down this path of this style of, of doing initiatives, they don't, it's not as successful as they would like it to be. And mm-hmm. and especially in the past when the focus has been on the tools or the method and, and or it's on the project, right? It's not mm-hmm. about how we show up and how we think. It's about following the Six Sigma process, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. being lean and, and uh, we're going to we're going to follow these rules, even though we don't know why we're doing them. And so they don't have the successes that they would like to have. And it's hard for them to sustain um, this more arduous way of being analytical and gathering data and, 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 and making decisions and performing experiments and making it part of the. You have to make it part of the culture. And if it's part of the culture, that presupposes that the people value it. And the only way that people mm-hmm. can value it is if they're aware of it and they're communicating about it and authentically um you know, discussing it. And I wouldn't have thought that improv would have an impact on that, but you've just shown me that it does. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you for having an open mind to it. That, you know, that's where it starts, right? Yeah. Well, and it helps if you're really quick witted and can say funny things. (laughs) (laughs) True. We can, we can teach anybody how to do that. So, yeah, because I often find myself being caught, not having anything funny to say. And the funny thing is, my wife is laughing at me all the time, and she says I say funny things. But I don't know, the funny ones just come out, and when you're stuck for something, you can't. And that's what you remember. <laughs> yeah, and but, rem- keep in, but remember that you, she's probably laughing because you're saying something that's truthful. So as long as you're honoring your truth, Michael, and, it, and this is true for anyone, people – People will often find comedy in that. You'd be really surprised. Yeah, we actually go through that ourselves, Mike, when I say something and I'm just being normal. Like right now, as I'm speaking to you this moment, I'm just, you know, even keeled, regular tone voice. I'll say something and Tiff will just start busting up. 
And I look at her like, what are you laughing for? And it's because and, you said something that was really truthful that I could connect with typically. And to me, it wasn't even funny at all. I was just saying <laughs> yeah. the truth. He's got, right. You know, Adrian's, a, yeah, because he has a very particular way of talking. And, and so I often, I often laugh if you word something a certain way, just because it's just, it's just funny. He's just being him, you know, and there's, there's humor in that. And, you know, people want to laugh so bad, especially right now. People really do want to laugh. Isn't yeah. it fun to laugh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's healthy so too. Fun. This is great. So, yeah, so this has been awesome. I I've really enjoyed it. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about what you do? Um, where can they go? What, what can they? How can they find you? So they can find us at our website at improv i m p r o v it i t u p dot com improv it up dot com. You can also find us on social. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And we often will post ways to improv your life on our social media pages. So, you know, be sure to follow us so you can see tips for business professionals and just really anyone. We'll, we'll post some helpful um, tips on how to improv your life and improv your work. That sounds great. Well, I thank you both. And uh, I want to start following uh, your work and may take some of those tips and, and put them into an article or something. And, and maybe we can have you back at some point in the future. Uh, so thank you very much for being interested in the Sales Process Excellence podcast. I'm glad you were here. And to my audience, so long until next time. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. The Sales Process Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Sales Performance Consultants. Discover how to improve your B2B sales with systems thinking at salesperformance.com.